Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Kate Thornton and welcome to Up Close and Socially Distant. In today's episode, I'll be talking to Adil Ray about co-presenting Celebration Kitchen Live. I'll also be picking up with teacher and school food delivery hero Zane Powles and talking to the founder of Run for Heroes, Olivia Strong. Actor and comedian Adil Ray joined Matt Tebbett on Saturday to present an Eid special of Saturday Kitchen on BBC One called Celebration Kitchen Live. And chefs shared their recipes for Eid delicacies from all over the world at a time when many Muslims were unable to come together to celebrate. So Adil's here now. Nice to talk to you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you, considering everything going on, you know, just trying to stay positive and just... uh... Yeah, just be grateful for what we've got, really. First of all, for those who haven't seen it yet, what what can they expect from Celebration Kitchen Live? So basically, you know, very universal. It's 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 food, and who doesn't like food? Um, so Matt Tebbett uh, hosts with myself as a, a guest presenter, which I'm so grateful for. And then uh, two amazing chefs, uh, Asma Khan. She makes this uh, lamb ran dish, which is um, it's like a centerpiece for any. Any dinner, eat, any big event, just fantastic. It's quite easy to do, you know, um, which is like a like a roast lamb, really. And then uh, Saliha, um, Salima Mahmood Emmed, who won MasterChef, and she was great. And she did uh, vegetarian, actually. And it was so pleasing to see someone do vegetarian because, you know, often we get accused, of, uh, you know, from the Asian community, especially the Pakistani community that I'm from, is that we eat so much meat all the time. And <laughs> actually, there's one message out of all of what's been going on the last few weeks that we all need to be far more healthier. So... Uh, a sweet potato um, um, recipe was just fantastic. Uh, but then we sort of sport ourselves with a, a bread and butter style dessert at the end. So, you know, Why not? exactly. <laughs> Mo Farah is on as well. So, you know, it's, it's great. And I think it's, it's Saturday kitchen, but a bit of Eid spice thrown in. You know? 
with COVID and the pandemic and lockdown restrictions, uh, fasting for Ramadan must have, have been made incredibly challenging for so many people this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the thing for a lot of these uh, communities, and, and I'm sure it applies to everybody, but I think the thing to understand about Asian communities or even Somalian communities is that community is so important. It's it's self-preservation for a lot of them. They, they they live in you know in close proximity to each other sometimes, and and it, and it means so much. And and that's at the, that's in a normal time. So Ramadan, on top of that, is is a real you know challenge to be able to not be able to do that and 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 to observe Ramadan at the same time. For example, you know the mosques will be busier than normal during Ramadan in the evening after you open your prayer. You know you'd go down to the mosque and do late night prayers. So obviously they've not been able to do that. You know uh, occasionally you may be invited round to somebody's house to open up your fast in the evening, or they would have sometimes you know events. They'd have like what they call iftari events in a local community center or even in a hotel or a restaurant or something so you know and it's it is such an important part of the year and it's something everyone looks forward to so to not be able to um you know uh celebrate and adhere to it like you normally would is, is really tough and then eid on top of that is is a double because eid is you know i thought you know if you've been fasting for 30 days the reward is right i'm going to go around to my family's house now we're gonna have a big party no you can't do that so that's that's been even tougher you know um but you know really good on the muslim community for for, for showing some restraint and which is actually part of ramadan anyway to show some restraint and i get i was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday so i'll give you an example imagine if this was happening around christmas you know imagine this christmas and we were told that you can't go around to your mom and dad's for christmas this year you know, you can't have a Christmas party in the pub. You know, you can't go to church. You can't go to mass. I mean, you know, I think people would find that really, really difficult. So it's been hard. Yeah. You're so right. The celebration, the, the relief of coming out of fasting and getting together with the people that you love. How yeah. have you managed to help message that out to the community that that just can't happen this year? We actually put a message out. We put out an Eid message, which was sort of bringing, and it was a number of sort of Muslim celebrities, myself and Nadia Hussain, uh, Syra Khan, Raghi Omar, you know, some really great names. We all came together and thought, well, what can we do? So we put this Eid message out, you know, remind people to celebrate Eid and it's a great, it's a great time. But actually, you know, the thing about Eid, it is about, and Ramadan, it is about showing restraint. It is about thinking of others. It is about being considerate. So we try to put this message out saying, well, actually, if that's what it's about, then maybe staying in and staying at home is makes it a fantastic Eid, makes it a really purposeful Ramadan. And I think that really resonated with people. Thought, OK, yeah, fair enough, because it is so tempting. And, you know, without getting into the politics of it, I think there is an argument that some of the guidance has been fairly vague, you know. And so when we're seeing people at the beach going, well, you know, I know I'm at the beach having a beer, but so he, there always was a worry that some people might think, well, it's OK, isn't it? If I just go to the next street and see my cousins. No, it's not, because the point is, if we all did that, then we'd be in a real dire situation. Um, so I think it was just getting that message out. that Look, maybe this is part of the values of Eid, part of the values of Ramadan, that we will show some restraint this year. Uh, and thankfully they have. And it's, it's been, been wonderful. You're absolutely right, actually. What you've done is stripped it back to the core values. Yeah. Um, of Ramadan, restraint, respect, looking out for for the more vulnerable within our communities. But it must really, really rile and gore when you see a packed beach on a hot bank holiday weekend. I know. 
but I, I do think that the, the advice and the guidance has been too vague, you know, and I think if you if you give people a vagueness and, a, and, a, and the ability to sort of make these quite crucial decisions on their own, then I'm afraid you will get circumstances like this. And you do often, you do wonder whether it's sort of a deliberate act or what, what's going on in some, you know, sort of government's mind and policymakers mind to do this. And you just got to hope now that, you know, the rate and the rise uh, of cases doesn't go up. Crossing your fingers really shouldn't be the way through this. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be, but that's all we've got at the moment. And, and let's hope and pray that somehow they find this vaccine, you know, because I really worry for, you know, for those of us that can even go to the beach. Yeah, fantastic. But there are vulnerable people, the elderly, people with underlying conditions who can't even, they can't even consider that. And the thought of them having to stay indoors at home throughout the whole of the long, hot summer and then into into a winter into next year, if that's the case, is just it's unfathomable, and and the complications and the health issues that may bring in itself for people being so isolated is, is a real worry. So let's hope that some sort of drug or, or, or vaccine is, is 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 here soon. You, know? you, you took part in an auction, uh, yes. auctioning many exciting opportunities for people, all in aid of a doctor's appeal for funding to buy masks for frontline workers. So, what are you auctioning, and um, how can people help? Yeah, so we have, uh, in we we first of all we did a um, a Mr. Khan, a Citizen Khan cardigan. Uh, it was it was rather nice. Lovely, as worn on BBC One, uh, I had to pull it off him. He wasn't willing to let go, being such yeah. a skinflint he is. Uh, and that raised, I think, nearly £300. So that was wow. great. And then we've just currently, uh, at the time of filming this, um, yeah, filming this, we have a another auction bid where I am going to host a table for six at uh, Lassen Restaurant, which is an award-winning uh, Indian mm-hmm. restaurant Birmingham. There's some lovely stuff on there. At the same time, give some money to, to PPE. Sadly, one of the things that we all have to be sort of doing now. Absolutely. I think what we refer to now as social care is about caring for those who have kept us going, who are our social care heroes, you know. When you think about key workers, um, you know, everyone on the front line who are the lowest paid in our society Absolutely. and are the ones most likely to die when we get a virus, then that's wrong. That's that's entirely, entirely wrong. And those of us that can do more should do more. We shouldn't just think of immigrants because I think people think, well, hang on, what about the rest of the community? And you're right. I think working class communities, the poor, the elderly, care homes, they're all minority communities that we have completely and utterly ignored. And I think, you know, when it comes to big decisions and things like social equality, I think that's got to be first and foremost now to go, how do we best prepare? Because, you know, we're obviously suffering from austerity from, you know, uh, from eight, ten years ago. And and, 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 that, and this is a result of that. And we've got to put that right in the future. Well, listen, you've used your time in lockdown to and your platforms to really speak up and, and push those key messages out. And, and I hope you continue to do that for as long as we're living under this pandemic and these restrictions. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, I say to people, say, look, you know, in years to come, our kids or somebody, I keep on saying our kids, I haven't got any kids, by the way, if anybody's watching, I make it up. <laughs> in years to come, the kids that I might have will turn around and go, you know, when this happened, they'll learn about this in school, they'll be learning about it all the time, they go, what did you do? What did you do when this was happening? You know, and we, you know, we, we need to all turn around and say, well, this is this is what I was doing. I was doing my little bit, little bit in 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 all of the big plan at the time. I played my little part. I think that's important. We all do that. It's a great it's a great attitude. I think. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. Lovely talking to you. Thanks, Kate. Thank you so much.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Zane Powles is an assistant head teacher who's become a local hero for dedicating his time in lockdown to delivering packed lunches to his pupils who qualify for free school meals at Western Primary School in Grimsby. With schools due to reopen on the 1st of June, he's here to talk to us about the new challenges we should all be ready for as our kids prepare their return to education. So Zane, thank you so much for joining us. I know you have been incredibly busy in lockdown. Yeah, I think I've worked out here. I think I've walked over 300 miles carried two and a half ton, uh, I don't know how many thousands of steps, I do about 17,000 steps a day, so really busy, yeah, I've been every day, all day, yeah, so it's been a bit crazy. So tell me about how quickly you managed to get up and running. Yeah, right, I think we found out schools are going to be closed on the Wednesday, uh, the following Monday they're going to be closed, and my instant that thought was, oh, how are we going to see these children? How are they going to get their meals? How are we going to make sure they're okay? All these questions coming into my head. So I, I just thought, oh, I can deliver the meals. Quite, I'm quite strong. I, you know, I'm quite fit. So I got a map of the local area and all of the addresses of all of our children that have free school meals and plotted them all on the map and thinking, yeah, I can probably get around all these. And there was a few of it. was about 24, 25 that were out too far away. And they're, they're driven to by the head and deputy head. But I'd live at 84, I think, by foot. I started walking it from the first day, from the Monday. Lockdown started. I started then. It started about five miles. But now the school meals have got more and more. And I think today it was like 7.2 miles. So it's increasing the mileage. Averaging out maybe probably 50 kilo plus a day. So it's a bit of a lump because obviously it contains the pack-ups, <laughs> which is a sandwich and fruit, crisps, sweet, raisins. Is, uh, but also, once a week, each, each child gets two large checkered potatoes and a tin of baked beans, which adds quite a bit of weight. Yes, it does. Those baked beans would be back-breaking, I would imagine, if you're yeah. feeding as many as you are. <laughs> yeah. And tell me what it means to those kids and their families. Oh, it's massive. It's not just... I mean, I'm able to get around and see our children, you know, which is great for me and great for them. But uh, they're getting the food. A lot of our uh, families 
haven't got the most money in the world. The government would class our estate as socioeconomically deprived. So they, they rely on this free school meal, you know, and they relied on it before the lockdown. And normally they wouldn't be able to finance uh, extra food with the kids in the house because it just wasn't in the plan. It wasn't something they planned for. So, yeah, it's imperative that they get these meals and the kids love it. The kids come to the door and they're smiling and uh, chat with me. So that's great that they, they are appreciated. And the parents as well, like I say, I, I'm able to see the children, but another important thing was I was able to ensure that the parents stayed in the houses because, it, you know, certainly in the first few weeks, they weren't allowed out of the house. So uh, if I was able to deliver the meals, it kept them in the house with the children, kept them safe all the time. And, and like I've said before, some of our parents were actually scared to leave the house. So if I didn't go around and deliver the food to them, it would have been quite concerning that actually, how are they going to feed their children? So as well as filling these children's bellies, actually there's a duty of care at play here. Yeah, that's it. And that, that is important that I have to see them face to face because if we just call them and say how are things at home, it's too easy to say, yeah, everything's fine. And, and, and that's that. That's not good enough. That is not good enough. So the face-to-face visit is really important, not just for those extremely vulnerable children. It's it's so essential that I see them. But most of our children, you know, when they're stuck in the house all the time, every day, for hours a day, it's going to impact on their mental health and their parents' mental health. So when I'm going around and seeing, having face-to-face conversations, I can actually gauge how the parents are coping as well. And if need be, make some phone calls so there's extra support given to those families. In those situations, I know the key workers' children are encouraged to be back in school, but that does also extend, doesn't it, Zane, to the vulnerable children? What kind of persuasions um, do you have to put in place to encourage families sometimes to let their kids come back? Yeah, it's really tough because, unfortunately, the parents have been given that choice to bring the children in or not. Whether So it, there wasn't a force, so it's been quite difficult. And I also run a behaviour unit for children that have been excluded or very close to exclusion from other schools in the authority. And I have 12 children, all of them on plans, child protection plans, child need plans. For the first seven weeks, I didn't see any of them. You know, I had to go out and actually see them in the house to make physical contact because they, they had the choice to bring them in or not. And that wasn't a great... I don't think it was a great idea, the government giving parents the option to keep them at home. I think there should have been a lot of pressure applied to these families Certainly children in my behaviour unit, their home lives are, most of them are unsafe. You know, they all have social workers and they go around and get visits. But those people should be made to come in. And also the children that I don't deliver to in our mainstream school. So I deliver to 84, the head does now, I think 26. So over 110 meals altogether. But we have 300 children in our school. So in the afternoon, once I've done my lunch deliveries, and then had my lunch, get back, had a coffee. I then go out, you know, on a two-week road to trying to see the other children that I don't see in the mornings. So the children that I don't deliver meals to, I try and see them at least once a fortnight just to check on them, which has been really effective and successful, actually. actually. Although it takes a very long time because I get to a house and I could be there 20 minutes sometimes just chatting because the parents just want to chat and just chat with another adult that they don't normally see. And it's been really good for them. And I've had lots and lots of positive feedback about that. With schools due to reopen, we're told possibly, hopefully, maybe yeah. June the 1st. <laughs> On local level, some councils have resisted this decision. Will your school reopen? And what kind of challenges are you anticipating? Yeah, we are going to open the 1st of June. Uh, the best place for our children is in school, certainly more vulnerable ones. However, it is going to be very difficult to adhere to all the guidelines. I, I struggle... 
I support the government in one way because I understand that the, the economy and all this has got to be it's a, it's a fine balancing act. However, they've chosen gear groups that I'm, that can't do, can't follow guidelines. And can't socially distance. I mean, exactly. You can't ask a four-year-old to stay six metres apart and understand that instruction. Yeah, they've chosen, so they've chosen reception in year one, so that's four five, four, five-year-olds, uh, to keep away from each other. And actually, in reception, what you're teaching in reception is... is, is to be socially weird, to be socially, to be polite to children, to, to learn how to share. Now, actually, we're telling them, no, you sit at that desk, you play with that equipment, it's all yours, don't let anyone touch it. Well, that's not normal. And year six is also, which is a good year because they're older, but the reasons were because so they can uh, do transition, which is a great idea. However, the secondary schools are open. So how can we do that transition when there's no way to transition to? So I don't get it. I just don't understand it. I understand the reasoning, but I think they've chosen the wrong year groups. How is this going to work, do you think? How, uh, on a local level, and more importantly, just in your school, how can you do this and keep yourselves and your kids safe? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Myself, the head, and, and the other the, the deputy have been planning. I have had a, like a plan at the school, and I've, I've drawn a, like one-way loops in the school, and and... We have plotted certain areas in the playgrounds where certain children can play. We're not allowed any equipment outside the car, play on any uh, like climbing frames. They've just sort of, I guess, got to run about on their own, which is, that's so alien. It's, it's, it, it, I don't know how it's going to work. Something's got to change. Uh, yeah, it, but however, as a school, you know, our motto is a school that cares, and we work, we really care about our children. Well, we've put every measure in place that we possibly can to keep these children safe. And we know you guys don't go in it to make the big bucks. You go in it to make the big difference. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, teachers definitely go in it because they love the job. They love caring for children. It, 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 it is definitely vocation. It's, we don't come teaching for the money. God. Bloody hell, no. Zane, <laughs> uh, whatever you do, your kids are very lucky to have you. And I know you look after a lot of incredibly vulnerable children who are disadvantaged um, in so many different ways. And that, that obviously is paramount in your thinking at all times. Thank you, Zane. Thank you, Kate. Thank you very much. Olivia Strong is a documentary producer from Edinburgh who a month ago started the Run for Heroes campaign and the challenge exploded across the country, raising over £5 million for NHS charities together to support those fighting the coronavirus. And to top that, she's recently launched a new challenge, the Faster 5K Friday, to support the Care Workers charity. And she's dialed in now to tell me more about both. Olivia, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on. The seed of an idea was just something that really you wanted to, no pun intended, run with. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'd come back to Edinburgh and actually had my work had been put down to a two-day week. Um, so I had this extra time suddenly on my hands to be like, oh, what am I going to do? Um, I was out on a run and I noticed just how many people were out doing the same just a week into lockdown. So I got home and I said to my brother... I have this idea that if you run 5k and donated five pounds then you know hopefully we could run 5k to raise 5k and if you nominated five people then you know it would continue and that evening run for heroes was born <laughs> you know run donate nominate so you you nominated for five, five of your friends uh to, to carry that forward they then picked up the baton and nominated the next five how quickly did it grow it was amazing to see how quickly it grew it was you know we we set up, I set up the Instagram account on the Friday evening, went out, like you said, nominated five people on the Saturday. Well, my sister and I did. I definitely nominated more than five people to try, 
let's try and kickstart it a bit more. And um, <laughs> and then by Tuesday, so what, four days later, it raised the £5,000 target. And I was like, wow, this is quite cool. What do I offer to next? About 10 days in, it was at half a million. And I was like, I think it's going to be on my friendship circle now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's definitely gone beyond that. I mean, as things stand, as we talk today, the initial target, as you say, you smashed in no time. You have now raised five million pounds with over one million runners participating. That is one hell of a call to action. Yeah, it's, I mean, when you put it like that, it's, it's madness. And it's not just here in the UK that people are pulling on their runners for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, we started to, the only people that I pushed it to for global was anybody in Sydney that I knew because a few friends, you know, go over there for the sunshine and stuff. So they kind of kickstarted it and then it, and then it start, and then I started to see people tag it in Dubai and like Tokyo, which is crazy. It totally grew organically from there. Like we didn't contact any, cele- well, I didn't contact any celebrities for it. And I remember when Mo Farah and Ellie Golding did it, I was like, my I pinched myself. I was like to my sister, oh, Ellie Golding's just messaged, <laughs> messaged me. But, you know, to get these celebrities behind it has been, you know, they've got a huge influence over people and they've, they've got a huge following. And I think that was really crucial for the campaign to, to get it, you know, much more widespread, which is, you know, it's thanks to them and all the initial runners, really. Give me an insight into where those funds are going and the kind of work that they're doing. All the money goes directly to NHS charities together. Um, and they put out a COVID-19 appeal at the very beginning um, of lockdown that asked us to raise 100 million. And I think at the time they were on about 26 million. And um, all of that, all those funds were going directly to trying to make the NHS workers' lives a little easier at the time. So, and still to this day. Um, so it was stuff like they, they're putting in wobble rooms, um, sleep pods, um, tea, extra tea and coffee, um, um, pa- emergency fund packs. Uh, to help if, if if anybody has to stay overnight um, in the hospital or in local um, hotels. So it's all these things that just hopefully, and I mean, we've heard from NHS workers um, since saying how much of a difference it's made their, you know, their shifts, because it just feels like the whole of the UK public are behind them, which is so lovely. And which is so true. And you really have been recognised for your contribution. You received the Points of Light Award for Outstanding Volunteering from the Cabinet Office. How did it feel to, to get that call? <laughs> I was so shocked. But you know what? It was lovely to receive it on behalf of like the whole Run for Years community. And I really mean this with this fundraiser in that A, it's been a team effort right from the beginning. And then also all the runners that have gone out and, you know, run a 5K, people that have never run before to people that are, you know, experienced runners like Mo Farah. And they've they've then nominated other people to go and do it. And I think that it's really thanks. It's a massive collaboration in that sense. It's, it's really important to continue to exercise during lockdown because otherwise we're just inside the whole time. And I've heard from a few people that they've continued to run and they've continued to feel motivated to keep doing a 5k. And now some people have got up to 10k and all these nice stories that you hear. And I think that, you know, it's something that people can kind of feel part of. You have now launched your second initiative. Um, Tell me about that because this is all about caring for our carers. We started up Faster 5k Fridays. And the idea is that you run your fastest 5k every Friday for the next five weeks um, and each time donating five pounds. And we, we teamed up with Strava to do this because Strava have obviously, you know, huge reach and they set up a challenge um, on their app for us, which is great because it means that people can 
track how fast they're doing it in, um, see if they can try and improve their time each week. And it's kind of meant to be a bit of fun. And when we did it the first Friday, it got £6,000, which was amazing. So hopefully each week it continue to, to get a bit more because they're, you know, they're caring for our most vulnerable right now in society. And any help that we can give them will be amazing. We also have to remember that these are guys, men and women, who are literally putting their lives on the line for sometimes just about minimum wage. Those that are watching now going, I don't like running, I'm not a runner. Why would you incentivize them to go out every Friday and try to beat their own personal bests um, in order to care for the carers? Well, I think it's not only important from a personal level, you know, the how much better people feel after they've walked, run, cycled, whatever it might be, whatever's suitable for them. The feeling I always feel before a run is never as bad actually during and then afterwards it's so worth it. Do you know what I mean? You know, have that have that moment of like, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. Yeah. When you get every time. <laughs> when you but you never out, regret it. Exactly. And and you know, do what's right for you and um so A, that's really important and B, the most, you know, know that you're doing it for such worthwhile cause because uh, the Care Workers Charity are doing an amazing job to try and help um, any care workers who are having to self-isolate as a result of COVID-19, you know, emergency funds for them. And like you said, often, you know, they're not they're not paid well. So as much support we can give them if, if people can afford to even donate like a pound will go away. Do you know what I mean? It, it can be... Do whatever is right for you and try and improve every week and donate as much as that, you know, you feel you can. You're right. You just touched on that point there that if a care worker has to go and isolate for 14 days, often they are agency workers, self-employed gig workers. So two weeks out is two weeks of not earning. And that's when you're already coming from a point of having to exist on a very low income. I mean, they really are the, the unsung heroes of our community right now, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I've heard a lot of stories um, where they're staying in the care home rooms that have like six other care workers in it because care homes in the UK have the highest cases of COVID-19. Yeah. So they don't want to put their families at risk. And it means that they're staying, you know, day in and day out to to help our most vulnerable. And I mean, if that's not a motivation to go out and try and run, then I don't know what it is. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. So, um, what can people do to help support this? What I'd encourage them to do is if they haven't participated already in the in the 5K challenges is go out today, run, walk, cycle. I've seen people swim. I've seen them horse ride it if they're lucky enough to have horses. Um, <laughs> it's also amazing. I've seen it you know, grow throughout the world now that all these other countries are taking on and, and doing it for their local hospitals. And that's I mean, if we actually knew, I'd love to know the extent of the, you know, how much money it's, it's raised, because that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> It's so impressive and, and in its wrapped in kindness and the best intentions. And, uh, you know, I commend you, Olivia. Well done. Thank you so much. <laughs> A huge thanks to all of my guests this week. And do join me next week for more video calls with incredible men and women doing all they can to get us through this pandemic. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay safe. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. 
Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 